What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Nittany Lions, your Penn State podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today is Friday. Yes, it's finally Friday, June 19th, 2020. Congratulations on getting through another week. And today's episode is brought to you by my window AC unit because I got to stay cool in these hot and muggy times while I record this podcast for you guys. Coming up in today's episode, it's going to be interview heavy. I've got the bulk of my remaining interview with Stephen Lassen, the college football editor for AthlonSports.com. We'll dive into some of the Big Ten topics of conversation that we talked about on earlier this week. And then we'll take a look at some of the national storylines around the sport of college football that he will be paying attention to this upcoming season. And we'll also take a look at how this year's Athlon Sports Preview Magazine was put together amid the coronavirus pandemic and how that may have impacted the production of this year's preview magazine as always i want to make sure you never miss a single episode of this podcast eventually we will be going back to five days a week i'm very excited about that but i'll have more information on that when it becomes available just letting you guys know now ahead of time so make sure you're subscribed now on your favorite podcasting apps such as itunes and spotify stitcher radio iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to your podcast these days Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Nittany Lions. And, of course, leave a rating and a review. Let us know how we're doing. We appreciate the feedback. And it does help with the promotion of our show on those various podcasting apps moving forward. So we greatly appreciate any support you guys can lend us. Of course, we also always invite you to be a part of our show by sending in your questions and your comments to us on Twitter, at Locked On Nittany. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitch, at Locked On Nittany, across the board on your social media platforms. So before I get flagged for a delay of game, let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. continue the conversation with Stephen Lassen from Athlon Sports in our next segment. But before I do that in this segment, I want to open up the show by touching on a pretty important story for the future of Penn State football. And this has nothing to do with the upcoming season and practices resuming, workouts resuming, all that stuff that we are still paying attention to. But this is more of a long-term vision for the program. Now, as you may know, some of the top college football programs out there have some state-of-the-art football training facilities. Now, Penn State isn't bad, but it's something that is never going to be fully uh, a finished project, I think, because football training facilities, I think, are always going to be uh, under development, looking for ways to improve, ways to renovate. Uh, So I don't think it's going to be something that's out of the ordinary, where we see these kind of stories pop up every now and then, maybe every few years, as Penn State continues to keep the Lash building as up-to-date as possible for the future of the program. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to be adding a sliding board like they have at Clemson (laughs) or waterfalls like they may have in Alabama, but I do think that it is something that's become the norm, especially for a program with the kind of resources that Penn State has. Understanding that this year in particular is a little bit different from usual years where you're getting big chunks of revenue from the NCAA and the Big Ten and, of course, uh, any money you raise on your own. This is going to be a little bit of a different year, but assuming that things eventually get back to normal, uh, Penn State's going to be able to afford uh, extravagant <laughs> expansions and renovations to the last football building. So if you haven't had a chance to take a look at what they're proposing, they're basically proposing expanding onto the current football building, adding a quarterback lab building uh, that would be attached to the football building. And then 
gotta say that that's an awesome idea. <laughs> certainly anything that's going to be able to attract star quarterbacks to your football program is certainly going to, um, you know, kind of raise the level for what you can do and what you have to offer, especially you've have, if you have offensive coaches who are going to be able to tap into those uh, quarterbacks uh, with all the, the latest technology and facility avail amenities available, uh, that would put Penn State in some pretty good company uh, as they try to continue to build the program to become one of those perennial playoff contenders. I almost said national power, but Penn State's pretty much there, as we kind of discussed the other day. Penn State has done a lot to improve this program under James Franklin, but there's always something more that you can do uh, for any football program. And even the programs like Alabama and Clemson, they're always going to be finding ways to expand and grow as much as possible to make them uh, stay on top of the game. Uh, you know, program like Ohio State, uh, Michigan, these are programs that have the resources to build and expand and renovate and update uh, football facilities, locker rooms, almost on a regular basis. It's almost an annual thing at some schools. But I do think that you know, the, the Lash football building uh, certainly is not a bad facility, especially compared to a lot of uh, colleges that are out there. But there's always room for improvement, and it looks like Penn State has the room to do that. So I, I will be very curious to see, um, you know, track the progress of this moving forward. I don't suspect that there will be much standing in the way. Uh, I guess um, uh, financial uh, situations might be a little bit more uh, not controversial, but maybe a little bit more pressing right now, given the current environment out there with the, the coronavirus pandemic. But with Penn State looking like they are going to return to the fall with a sense of normalcy, students are going to be back on campus. It looks as though things are going to be uh, ready to move ahead, um, not without a hitch, but certainly with a regular routine, that's a positive sign. And, uh, you know, we still have, you know, we've seen so many schools out there uh, announced that they're taking budget cuts to coaches and staff members, athletic directors. Penn State hasn't really done that. So, you know, I'm surprised that we've gotten this far and Penn State has been one of those schools that hasn't felt the need to do that. Now, Sandy Barber did say a while back that she felt as though Penn State was going to be pretty comfortable for the next year. You know, if things, if things linger, we'll see where the situation is a year from now. But I think moving forward with the idea of these expansion uh, for the Lash football building, uh, probably up to around $70 million, I think that's all the number was. So, uh, or it's part of the uh, the, the current um, funding for the renovations on the facilities and on campus. I, I, think it's, um, I think it's encouraging that Penn State is moving forward with these kinds of plans, or at least trying to plan out and try to make sure the budget is ready for anything that they're able to do moving forward. So again, these are all positive signs. These are positive developments. You know, certainly we understand the current uh, temperature of the, uh, of the, uh, the sports world right now and colleges are certainly in flux right now. But I think the fact that Penn State is finding a way to move these proposals forward just to kind of cover the bases and make sure they're good to go uh, they're not backing away from it. That's the alternative. And to me, that's a positive sign moving forward. So it looks like Penn State is going to be moving ahead with some expansion and renovation for the Lash football building. And that's a pretty cool thing to see. I'm looking forward to see how that all plays out in the long run. So it actually rained earlier today, and that's when I realized that, you know, it's been a while since I replaced the wipers on my car. And I know that going out and buying wipers is not necessarily something I enjoy doing because I always have to figure out which wipers I need. Well, the good news is rockauto.com 
is the best place to find exactly what you need for your car. All you have to do is go to their website, type in the make and model of your car, the year of your car, and it's gonna bring up everything that's available for your car or truck. And for someone like me, that is absolutely the best way to go about it. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets for your car. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks. And best of all, it'll all be delivered straight to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com The following is part two of my interview with college football editor for athlonsports.com, Stephen Lassen. In part one, in Wednesday's episode, we talked about Penn State. In this segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Big Ten. And then in our third segment, we'll continue with some national storylines and some more. So sit back, relax, enjoy this interview with Stephen Lassen. We're talking to Stephen Lassen, the college football editor for Athlon Sports. And he just said that James Franklin is the best coach in the Big Ten. That's pretty impressive considering that Ohio State has a guy who hasn't been on the job for very long, but is already taking his team to a Big Ten title and a spot in the college football playoff. Ryan Day has certainly walked into a really good position to take over as a head coach. I'm not going to take anything away from him, but uh, what do you see year two with Ryan Day in charge of the, the Buckeyes with a very high ceiling for the upcoming year? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it is really for Ohio State national championship expectations this year. We talked about it. They are in that top three with Clemson, Alabama, and you throw the Buckeyes in there, the offense is loaded. Justin Fields was outstanding last season. They've got one of the best offensive lines in college football. Scoring points is not going to be a problem. Where I, I think we may see this team, if, if Ohio State does not get to the national championship game, we may see it may come on defense. Um, they have a new play caller, and they also lose Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, who both were top five picks in the NFL draft, only three starters back on defense. Now, Ohio State has a lot of talent. They recruit well. Um, it's hard to see this group being drastically different statistically than they were. But you know, when you talk about taking two playmakers like Okuda and Young, who were so valuable on that defense, um, you know, it may show up in a playoff game against Alabama or Clemson. But uh, with Justin Fields leading the way and what they did last season, I think they are the clear favorite in the Big Ten. And I think they ha it basically has to be all about the national championship this season for the Buckeyes. Well, we all know when you look at the Penn State schedule, Ohio State coming into Happy Valley towards the end of October. That's a very key uh, point of the season, for, I think, for both teams, really. Could be the game of the year in the Big Ten. Could determine who's going to win the Big Ten East. Obviously, a lot of... Uh, a lot of variables in play before we get to that point, but if both teams take care of their business, that could be a, a really big game. Ab absolutely. You know, I think it's the biggest game of the year within conference play for the Big Ten. Um, you know, Penn State's beat Ohio State before recently in Happy Valley. Last year, Penn State was the team that played Ohio State the toughest um, you know, it, it, before the loss to Clemson in, in conference play. So, you know, Penn State has kept within striking distance uh, of Ohio State. And, 
you know, at home in Happy Valley and you give, you know, Penn State a couple games to figure things out with the new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, it like I said, it's going to be the biggest game of the year within the Big Ten. Ohio State at Oregon, the biggest non-conference game. But if you ask me what game I am looking forward to the most, it's that Penn State versus Ohio State game this year. I do feel compelled to say that I almost feel as though law obligates me to transition from talking about Ohio State to talking about Michigan. So let me real quick get your take on the Michigan Wolverines. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh, it just feels like the same kind of questions going into another season about his narrative and where he stands. Some people suggesting that this is a high pressure situation for Jim Harbaugh. I don't necessarily agree with that, given all the things considered that he's done with the program. But I'm curious to see what your stance on Jim Harbaugh is entering the 2020. I think two things are true about Michigan. The first is Jim Harbaugh's actually done a pretty good job. They've won nine or ten games in four of his five years in charge. That's pretty good. A lot of programs would take that. I think the other part is they, of course, haven't beat Ohio State. Ohio State looks like they're pulling away. Penn State's catching Michigan or maybe have passed them. Um, Michigan hasn't won the Big Ten. So I think there's a missing piece there for Harbaugh. I don't buy that his tenure has been a massive disappointment, though. I think anytime you can win you know, 47 games over the span that he has, Michigan is more nationally relevant than they were under Brady Hoke or Rich Rodriguez. You know, he's done a lot of good things. So I, I think maybe Jim Harbaugh gets more talk about what he hasn't done as opposed to the fact that he's won consistently there. I think looking at this team this season, I think they still fall in that 8-9 win range. I think for Michigan to go to the next level, beat Ohio State, they've got to find a difference maker at quarterback. Shea Patterson, Jake Rudock, those guys were solid. But compare that to Ohio State, they've had Dwayne Haskins, they've had Justin Fields, uh, JT Barrett in there. They need to find a difference maker. And that quarterback battle between McCaffrey and Milton is probably one of the more high profile ones we'll see once fall practice gets started. Yeah, and with offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis uh, in his second year with Ann, uh, in Ann Arbor, former Penn State assistant, of course, uh, certainly the the hope there is that they can get that offense kind of catching up to what some of the other teams out there are doing. But it should be a very interesting year for Michigan, of course. Penn State's going to have to go to Ann Arbor. That's, they've kind of traded the home field advantage the last couple of years, so we'll see if that trend continues. But as far as uh, the Big Ten West is concerned, I think the uh, the three the school, three schools I want to ask you real quick about. Wisconsin, of course, seems to be the most steady of the programs. Minnesota certainly coming off a wildly successful season last year, maybe hoping to capitalize and uh, take the next step this season. And then Nebraska, a team that I still think can be a little bit of a wild card. I think this is going to be a year where they see some improvement, maybe as the season goes along. But when you look at that Big Ten West, is there anybody that uh, you're keeping a real close eye on or anybody you think could be a factor in how the Big Ten plays out? I, I think you're right. It's Wisconsin or Minnesota at the top. Wisconsin has just been so consistent and so good under different coaches um, the last, you know, what is it, 20, 25 years. I, I still think they're the favorite this year. They, of course, host Minnesota, which will probably determine uh, the West Division winner. I like the direction of Minnesota. I think one thing that or, or two things that concern me, losing their offensive coordinator to Penn State. They also lose arguably their four best players on defense, including Antoine Winfield, the, the All-America safety. I think Nebraska will be better. 
But I think there's still probably a year or maybe even two from winning the Big Ten West. I, I think much of what happens in 2020 hinges on does Adrian Martinez get back to that level that we saw as a freshman and thought that he could build on as a sophomore. They also just need more playmakers. Uh, their receiving core was hit hard by departures and transfers this offseason. They need more guys to step up there and help Martinez out. So, And also, I should say, their schedule was very difficult in the second half of the season, and they get Cincinnati, uh, a top 25, maybe the best group of five team in the nation this year. So it is a difficult path for Nebraska, but if Adrian Martinez plays at the level we thought he would uh, as a freshman, then I think Nebraska can get back to being a bowl team. I just, I still think they're behind Wisconsin and Minnesota and Iowa. And, and I'll throw in, I think Purdue, I don't think they'll win the Big Ten West, but you know they've been fun to watch since Jeff Brom has got there. Rondell Moore is healthy again. So I think Purdue, add Purdue into what should be a very deep and very competitive Big Ten West. Yeah, I think that Big Ten West has been a little underrated the last couple of years as, as far as entertainment value is concerned. I think there's a lot of good storylines throughout that division right now. Uh, going back to Nebraska, one of those tough games in that second half of the stretch should be a home game against Penn State in early November. And I think that that's a danger spot for Penn State, regardless of how the season goes up to that point. I think that could be a very, very interesting game for the Nittany Lions when it comes time to that. Uh, so real quick on the Big Ten, uh, as far as how this conference compares to the others out there, I think uh, we all know the SEC is probably still number one. I'm going to guess that's probably where you're going. Uh, but where does the Big Ten stand compared to some of the other conferences right now? Obviously, I think Ohio State could fare for themselves uh, against anybody out there. But top to bottom, where is the Big Ten right now? I think it's second among conferences. I, I think the SEC is clearly number one. You know, we've got, I think, five SEC teams in our top 13. Tennessee is at 26, so just outside the top 25. But, you know, the Big Ten has the, the contenders, Ohio State. It has Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, uh, all in a pretty solid second tier. And then, you you know, we, we touched on the West, but... You know, Northwestern should be better. Illinois has gotten better. I think Greg Schiano at Rutgers over time, I think he will get that program better. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of depth in this conference. I mean, even Indiana could win eight games this year and kind of be a fringe top 25 to 30 team uh, by some ranking. So I think it's clearly the second best conference. I think there's good depth. I think there's teams on the rise. And I think it has the national championship contender in Ohio State and another playoff contender in Penn State. We'll continue our conversation with Steven Lassen from AthlonSports.com in just a minute. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar. Now, you guys know what I feel about these Built Bars. Protein bars that taste like a chocolate bar. How could you go wrong? They actually fill you up, and they taste good doing so. And I've told you before, they've got a variety of flavors. There's something out there for everybody. Whether you like nuts or you can't eat nuts, they have all your options covered for you. Let me tell you about the mint brownie flavor, which is actually one of the hidden gems, I think, in their collection of flavors. Now, they've got 15 grams of protein just 110 calories four grams of sugar this is going to fill you up it's perfect for a mid-morning snack or a mid-afternoon snack you can take it right before your workout take it midway through your work day whatever the case may be the built bar is going to help keep you satisfied and keep you full until you can get to your next meal so it's a perfect solution for me hopefully it is for you as well 
Right now, you can go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Now, you can build a box of all one flavor. You can create your own boxes of a variety of flavors. However you mix and match your personal favorites is you're up to you. And you can do that by getting $10 off your first order. Again, use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Let's talk a little bit more on the national scale since we're kind of making that transition. Clemson Tigers, once again, we're going to be one of the favorites to win this uh, upcoming national championship, if not Ohio State. Trevor Lawrence, once again, returning for another year as a starter. He has just been phenomenal. I know the, the national championship game last year certainly probably left a sour note for this Clemson team to stew on over the offseason. I think that makes them very dangerous going into this upcoming season, but we all know as far as the ACC is concerned, it should be a relative cakewalk for Clemson back to the playoff. Where do you see them? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you look at their schedule, Clemson is probably going to be favored in almost every game by double digits. Maybe the only exception is at Notre Dame in November. But from a personnel standpoint, Trevor Lawrence, you mentioned it, is back. We've got him first team All-America. He's either the Heisman favorite or the second favorite behind Justin Fields. Travis Etienne coming back as well was an unexpected development, but a great development for Clemson's chances of winning the national championship. And uh, uh, their defense is always solid too with Brent Venables. So we think, and we have Clemson winning the national championship. We think they are the best team. And I think they also have the easiest path to the number one seed and the college football playoff uh, championship. And certainly you know, if Ohio State or Alabama goes undefeated, maybe that conversation for the number one seed changes. But if Clemson is dominant, they'll probably get that number one seed and beat Oklahoma or whoever's number four and cruise to a spot in the national championship game. So, you know, it, a lot has changed in college football, but Clemson, once again, back at the top uh, of our rankings. Yeah, he always seems to find himself in the headlines for one reason or another. But Dabba Sweeney, as far as uh, guiding that program since he's become the head coach, has really kind of raised the bar there. And I, I don't think that it's necessarily unfair to point out that it comes at a time when Florida State has been kind of scuffling. Miami continues to try and put the pieces together and get something going. You know, He has taken advantage of some other programs in that conference being down, but that's not his fault. <laughs> He's doing his thing. He's recruiting at a high level and certainly developing plenty of talent and winning lots of games. So, uh, you, you, you did ask me about the rest of the ACC, and I apologize. It did not answer that very well, but North Carolina is who we have winning the Coastal Division um, and with Virginia Tech. So we have three ACC teams in our top 25 but outside of that you know we still think Florida State's rebuilding and Louisville could be a, a top 25 team as well but there is still a wide gap between uh, Clemson and the rest of the conference yeah I would agree with that Penn State going to Virginia Tech in week two should be a pretty fun game uh, supposing everything goes on schedule <laughs> but uh moving out of the ACC going back to the SEC kind of mentioned it earlier Alabama's just been on that level under Nick Saban uh, even though they missed out on the college football playoff last year lots of people were rejoicing at that fact but let's uh let's cool down a little bit because nobody's going to be writing off Alabama this year. Absolutely. You know, it, the Alabama misses the college football playoff for the first time. And it's like every time Alabama loses a game, the dynasty is over. Oh no, it's, it's ending. It, Alabama's not going anywhere. They are loaded for another run at the national championship. And, you know, you just look at the sec as a whole, 
I think the fascinating angle is the quarterbacks. Joe Burrow's gone. Tua's gone. Jake Fromm is gone. All the top contenders have some sort of quarterback uncertainty, question mark. Uh, It's going to make for an interesting year in the SEC. But Alabama, I think just from an offensive standpoint, best offensive line, best backfield in college football. And defensively, getting Dylan Moses back is huge because Alabama had a lot of communication issues. They struggled sometimes to stop the run. That quarterback of the defense and and Nick Saban's interior linebacking group has been important, and getting him back will help that defense. So it's just a talent. I think we'll see a very angry and very motivated team. And, of course, it's really hard to pick against a Nick Saban coach team as well. Yeah, it really is. I was talking to Stephen Lassen, college football editor for AthonSports.com. Just got done talking about Alabama. Of course, the last year's defending national champion is LSU. They entered the season with a lot of uh, new looks. You just mentioned Joe Burrow is gone, but they've also lost a couple of uh, key assistants along the way this offseason. How far back of a step back is LSU prepared to take this upcoming year? I still think they're in the top 10. The the interesting thing about LSU is, you know, the bar is set so high. I mean, they had maybe the greatest season by a quarterback in college football history, maybe the greatest one year run by any team in college football history. Um, It's going to be hard to replicate that. And they, they have so many new faces on the offensive line. Defensively, they're switching from a 3-4 to a 4-3. They're probably going to be fine just because they have so much talent and guys like Derek Stingley are back. You know, Offensively, Miles Brennan at quarterback has big shoes to fill. I mean, Joe Burrow leaves a massive void under center. Brennan has played well in limited time, albeit it's been limited as a backup. I don't think LSU is going to fall too far, but I think you know 10-2, Nine and three would actually be a pretty good season uh, for Ed Orgeron there. I still think LSU is ahead of teams like Texas A&M and Auburn uh, this year. So we we think they take a step back. They do host Alabama, which is um, later in the season and, and could be good for LSU, but still think they're the second best team in the West behind Alabama. What about over in the East? Uh, Georgia has been the team at the top for a few years now under Kirby Smart, but Dan Mullen in Florida seem to be on the way up. Are we going to see a change in the guard in that division this year? We're picking Florida to win the East this year. I I think it's really close. You could make an argument for either team. Georgia is loaded on defense, maybe the best defense in college football. But I wonder if the lack of offseason may hurt Georgia more than any other SEC team because they're changing offensive coordinators. It's a different scheme. They have Jamie Newman, the transfer from Wake Forest at quarterback. A lot of new pieces along the offensive line and receiving core. Whereas Florida, same quarterback in Kyle Trask. Dan Mullen's been there a couple, his third season now. They, have, they sort of have continuity And so I think the debate on Georgia and Florida kind of goes back to, is it talent at Georgia or is it the continuity of Florida? If Florida is going to beat Georgia, I think it's got to be this year just because of the way that Georgia and Kirby Smart are recruiting. So we think Florida wins this year and wins the East. But I think long term, Georgia is set up well to contend Uh, once again, for the playoff and and national championship, just based upon the elite recruiting that they're doing. 
Yeah, I think I don't think Georgia's going anywhere. Even if Florida does take the over that top spot in the division, Georgia's still going to be a team that you're going to have to reckon with for sure. One question about the Pac-12, one question at the Big 12. Then we'll talk a little bit about more about the magazine this year, if you don't mind. Uh, real quick, uh, in the Pac-12, is there anyone that's going to step up in this division or conference, or is there just going to be another year where the Pac-12 is kind of left in the shadows? I think Oregon is the team to beat once again. You know, certainly there are question marks, quarterback, revamped offensive line. But, you know, the funny thing about Oregon this season is it's their defense. Their defense is going to be outstanding. It, it's it's when you think about Oregon and Pac-12, it's offense. I think it's, it's their defense that's going to lead this season. But I think that speaks to this also speaks to a bigger picture question about the Pac-12. There's a lot of quarterback question marks around the league this year. There's also a lot of coaching question marks. There's a new coach at Washington, USC and Clay Helton. Uh, you know, uh, there's there's just a lot of first year coaches and uncertainty surrounding some of these positions. So I, I think Oregon is almost the favorite by default. We have USC as the second best team, but I think it's hard to also count out a program like Utah because they've been so consistently good and also. Arizona State with Jaden Daniels coming back at quarterback, I think they will be a sleeper to watch this season, but still think Oregon's conference to lose. I agree with that. Uh, Utah obviously was really close to the playoff last season before Oregon got in the way, and I happen to like Oregon. I've been a big fan of Mario Cristobal for a while, and of course, uh, new offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead. Penn State knows all about how much of an impact he can have, so you mentioned the defense, but I still think a lot of people are going to be paying attention to what Oregon does do offensively. Yeah, I really like the Joe Moorhead hire. I, I think it's the best coordinator hire of the offseason. So when certainly when you're replacing a new quarterback and you have four new offensive line starters, uh, having a guy like Joe Moorhead to to figure those things out is a pretty nice um, you know offseason win for Mario Cristobal. And you know Cristobal has has pushed all the right buttons the last couple of years, recruiting, hiring the right coaches, and. I think it's they built this culture now to where, sure, they got these personnel losses, but the coordinators, the coaching staff, I think they'll just figure it out this year and stay the top team in the Pac-12. Of course, they get that big game early on against Ohio State. Could could change the whole outlook of the season for not just Oregon, but maybe the Pac-12, the playoff. You never know what that what that's going to bring, but that's a massive opportunity for both Oregon and, of course, Ohio State. Flipping over to the Big 12, Oklahoma continues to be the team to beat there, kind of like Ohio State in the Big Ten. But Texas, is this the year that Texas makes a serious run at Oklahoma? I don't think so. I think <laughs> okay. it is. Yeah, it, it is Oklahoma's conference to win for the sixth year in a row. And, you know, if you need any indication of what kind of the odds makers think, Spencer Rattler, the new quarterback at Oklahoma, is already among the Heisman favorites for this season. So he's thrown less than 25 passes, but Lincoln Riley's won, you know, was it uh, 12 games, go to the playoff, win the Big 12 championship every year, and a quarterback goes to New York. So consistency, Oklahoma is just the team to beat. I think Texas will probably be better this year, but I also think there's a pretty solid second tier. Oklahoma State's got a lot of guys back. Iowa State, I think, could be sneaky. So I, I'm not buying into Texas challenging Oklahoma. Could they be a top 18, 20 type team? Yeah, I think so. I think they'll be better. But I, I still don't think they're getting past Oklahoma. 
I'm not a Big 12 expert, but it seems to me as though Texas is kind of like the Michigan of the Big 12 right now, where their chief rival is clearly the team to beat, and it's got to be kind of frustrating. Uh, so I, I would imagine it's somewhat similar in that respect. Let's talk a little bit about the magazine process, though, because uh, like I said earlier, this has been kind of a unique year for everybody uh, with whatever job you may have. And I'm curious to see how this pandemic this of the coronavirus, has that impacted the production of the magazine? Obviously, it's already on newsstands, so <laughs> obviously uh, people can still get the magazine. But was that throwing you guys any curveballs as you were putting this all together? It, it really did. You know, our, our magazine actually is coming out two weeks later than it we usually do, largely because of the uncertainty of will there or won't there be a season. So we waited two weeks to send it to the printer. But I think in, in terms of of off season and what it meant, we just didn't have that off season intel uh, that was quarterback battles, breakout players, uh, freshmen that were making some noise in spring practice. I, I don't think that we necessarily learn a whole lot by watching spring games, but I do think it matters for the individual teams. You know, like we, we talked about Georgia, they've got a new offensive coordinator, all those new pieces on offense. Texas has two new coordinators, a lot of assistant coaches. You know, this is the type of season where you wonder if it actually means a lot to have returning starters um, experience or a returning starter at quarterback and a lack of coaching changes. And so I, I think it's going to make the climb for first-year coaches difficult for, for the most part, whereas I think experience will win out. And I think that's something that showed up in our predictions. And just not having that off-season intel made our magazine process uh, more difficult. And frankly, it was the most difficult magazine that I've put together in my time at Athlon Sports. Yeah, I was going to say, you've been doing this for, how long have you been doing this, actually? <laughs> for... I've actually been there 15 years in a part-time or full-time role. So I've uh, I've been through some battles as the as the magazine <laughs> process went out. <laughs> I was going to say, you've been there as long as I've been uh, paying attention to this kind of stuff, you know, finding out who was working where and everything. So uh, I know you've been there doing this for a while. So I figured you'd had a kind of a good idea of how this year is different from past years. But I am kind of curious, you know, now that the the magazines are out and you're making the rounds on the podcast, be, do, being guests like you are here today, when do you start the production for next year's magazine? It's funny you ask that. Um, I've actually already started. I've actually <laughs> already started coming up with feature ideas and stuff. I, I just I think about these things all year. I, I guess I have no other life to speak of. So I think of you know feature ideas and and, and we try to take apart the magazine after we've printed one and say, you know, what kind of changes do we want to make? We listen to feedback from readers. We've had some this year. So, you know, I, I think it's a year round process. We actually, as far as the kind of pieces that go in the magazine, I actually start working on that in November at the end of a season. And that's when we start doing the stats we start doing our kind of packets of notes for every team we put together, who's back, who's gone, coaching changes, all that stuff. So it's a year round process, but it really starts to ramp up in November. And then it really starts to ramp up again in March once you start getting some of the feature uh, stories in. And then once teams complete spring practice, we start putting the previews into the magazine and, uh, and finalizing all of our predictions. 
I would imagine that the last couple of years have made things a little bit more difficult to do that because you have the implementation of an early signing day, which may have changed some of the way things are put together. But you also have the transfer portal, which never seems to be ceasing to, to exist. So uh, has that been a challenge for you as you put together these previews? Absolutely. You know, the transfer portal, especially because there's always a couple teams every year. Um, you know, I can think actually Penn State was actually one of those teams in 2019 because the magazine was getting ready to be sent to the printer and Tommy Stevens was transferring. And so we had Tommy Stevens on the depth chart and the story. We had to try and figure out, you know, how we're going to update it this fast and get it there. So the the transfer portal especially has made it difficult because you see it's almost every year, the two to three weeks after our deadline hits, there are several players who transferred. Sometimes they're backups, but there have been some high profile ones over the years. And then we also cross our fingers and hope there's no major you know, injuries or personnel things that shake up the covers or any kind of um, top 25 teams because it would have changed our predictions. I would guess that when you're in the print media world, that's just one of the things you have to deal with. You kind of accept that things like that are going to happen. Fortunately, you've got a website, so there's always a way to alternate or give some updated coverage and previews as we move forward throughout the summer. So hopefully you don't have to do that too much. But uh, if you do, just let me know. I'll help it out as much as I can. Yeah, we I've actually already updated several of the previews of uh, you know, the <laughs> USC's had some injuries. So I had to update that one uh, this morning. But, you're, you know, you're right. I, I think I've always tried to use the website to supplement the magazine. And so if you buy our magazine and you go to our website, we have a ton of preview stuff uh, that we do that's not in the magazine. But also we try to keep the team previews updated the best we can. And I'm going to do a little self-plug because I am a contributor for some of your Penn State content there. And, uh, and I've got a couple assignments that I've just been given. So I'll be uh, contributing to that as much as I possibly can. I'm very happy to be on board with that. Uh, Steven, it's been a pleasure getting a chance to talk to you once again. Before I let you go, I want to give you a chance one more time to remind listeners how they can get a copy of the magazine. Anything else you guys have working that people should be keeping an eye out for? Our website, athlonsports.com, is the place. If you like college football coverage 365 days a year, we got you covered. Um, coach rankings, conference predictions, uh, quarterback rankings, all that fun stuff coming this offseason. But you can also order your magazine at athlonsports.com. The very top, it takes you to our store, and you can get your co the cover of your choice, whether you know, you're an Alabama fan who lives in Maine or a Florida fan who lives in Texas or, or, you know, Iowa fan that lives in Tennessee, you can get it ordered to you and get the cover of your choice. It should be on newsstands everywhere. The official date was June 2nd, maybe delayed in some spots because of the shutdowns, but overall it should be getting everywhere on newsstands and then online as well. If you want to get it and have it shipped to you, it's athlonsports.com. One of the best in the business is one of the ones I look forward to every summer. Steven, thank you so much for all the work you've done and getting spending some time with me talking about the upcoming season. Hopefully we can do this again very soon. Absolutely, Kevin. Thanks again for having me on. I really enjoyed it. And that's going to bring a close to this episode of Locked On Nittany Lines. My sincere thanks to Stephen Lassen of Athlon Sports for spending some time with me earlier in the week to record this interview. If you didn't get a chance to listen to part one of the interview, 
definitely go back and do that because that's when we talk mostly about Penn State. So I really thank him for his time and his insight and all the information he was able to provide, not just on Penn State, but of course in this episode, the Big Ten and college football in general. I know I can always count on him for a variety of topics of conversation, and hopefully he didn't disappoint you as well. If you enjoyed that, make sure you are subscribed and leaving a rating and a review so we know what you felt about this interview. And let us know who else you want to hear from as we get ready to move forward towards the preseason mode and get ready for the upcoming college football season. But before I go, I want to make sure you are subscribed to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Leave a rating, leave a review. We appreciate the feedback, and it does help with the promotion of our show on those various podcasting apps. So any way you can support us would be greatly appreciated moving forward. And of course, you can also stay socially connected with us while you're keeping your social distance still by following us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Twitch. Our username is LockedOnNittany across the board there. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. And as I mentioned before, I am a contributor to AthlonSports.com and I've got some content that's in the works right now. I'll be sharing that with you guys as soon as it becomes available. I've got some Penn State thoughts that you're going to want to keep an eye on. My thanks to all of our sponsors this week. Again, thanks to Stephen Lassen of AthlonSports.com. Before I go, make sure you tell your smart devices to play the Locked On NFL Draft podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Get your NFL draft analysis. I know they're going to be talking about Micah Parsons as they move forward, scouting all the top players. Uh, Penn State's got a couple players that you're going to want to keep an eye on for that NFL draft. Have a great weekend, everybody. If you're listening to this on Friday, have a great Friday. End your week on a happy note. Go one and note today. Have a fantastic weekend. Come back. We'll do it all again next week as we continue our coverage of the Penn State Lions right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Till next time, everybody. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you later. Yeah.